just trust me, okay? This is Michael, and tonight I am here finally. What those out there don't know is that um, you and I, Victoria, have worked together on a few different projects, and we have not met in person. It's all been over the phone. Right. So the long-awaited interview and meeting with my special guest, Victoria Weiss of Butterpop Art. Hello, darling. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me here today. I'm so glad you could fit us in no. because I know you've been slammed. Yeah, it's 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 you know, I would. It's an honor to be here. I love everything that you're doing right now. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So let's go ahead and get started. We're definitely going to be talking about you, your art, and what got you to where you're at right now. So where did you grow up? I actually grew up in Taipei, Taiwan. Wow, okay. Yeah. So what brought you, how did you come about getting over here? Um, when I was 10, um, my parents divorced and my mom really wanted me to come to New York and start um, studying in New York. So we um, came to United States, came to New York City. Okay. Um, and we lived in Queens, mostly. Um, so I went to a high school and elementary school there in Queens, New York. Wow, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so no wonder your art is so varying. So let's talk about that. What was your childhood like in New York? Um, it must have been awesome. Yeah, I feel like it was, um, you know, Queens is very diverse. Um, I lived in an area called Flushing. So um, just like the nanny. Yes. So <laughs> there was a lot of um, Chinese culture there. So it was very, um, it was uh, very welcoming with the community. So it was easy to get into school because you know, the way schools are zoned, um, there's a lot of Chinese um, people, so it was easy to um, get into it. But it was intense. I, you know, New York City is a lot. Um, I embraced it. I loved the diversity. Um, it was very exciting. Um, but, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you were there in New York until you were how old? I was there till I was around 22. 22. Okay. Okay, so you were there until you're 22, and you graduated from high school there, right? And what was your parents' first thought as far as what you should pursue doing? Um, I mean, high school. I was a really good kid, and I was a really good student up till high school. I think all of us um, struggle through high school with adolescence, and I went to a city vocational art school called Fashion Industries. So it was very focused on a lot of um, art electives. Um, but it wasn't until my last year in high school I really got my shit together. Um, I was really inspired by a few female artists at the time that was actually uh, doing large street art and graffiti art, and a lot oh, of them, okay. a lot of them, a few of them are super famous now. Um, so it's through them watching them giving me the inspiration and confidence to really get my portfolio together. Literally, junior and my senior year in high school. Um, I slammed out a portfolio. My mom was just like, you know, it was really nice to see you in the living room just working on art nonstop. Like, I had to remind you to go eat. Wow. You know, so I, she's like, you know, this this makes you happy. Like, you really need to pursue it. And you, so that was evident that this was definitely a passion for you from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it was on and off. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I just kind of... Um, you know, my mom was a single mom. She's a really good businesswoman. So she was always like in sort of corporate office setting. So um, when she was working, if I was in her office, I was always drawing or, you know, playing with the Xerox machines. God knows <laughs> we don't have Xerox machines these days. But right. um, so it was it was there, you know, and then I mean, culturally, my mom was really heavy on education. So she just she just made sure that 
um, I kept up with my studies and, you know, she was really pushing on the ed education part. And I really didn't want to come out of school and just go into um, a fast food occupation. Like that was kind right. of the um, the situation my mom was, you know, was thinking that like, you know, if you don't get into college, it's just I don't know what you're going to do. So um, and I love her really. Uh, I love her very much. So she was a, she's a big part of the reason why I am today. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you have any siblings? No. Okay. Well, I have three half brothers, but we never, we didn't grow up together. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And so your mom has always been really supportive. Yes. And when you said fashion school that you were in, that makes me think that maybe they were like trying to angle it more towards you being like a clothing designer or something. Was that not the case? No. I mean, the, the name of the school is Fashion Industries because li literally the high school is next to FIT. Wow. That's so, awesome. Which, yeah. yeah. That's a big, big school. Yeah. So, um, but they had a lot of like different art classes. It's not just fashion. They did textiles. They did interior design. I actually mm -hmm. was interested in interior design. I, I love like, you know, decorating rooms and stuff but my interior design teacher actually said you know I feel like you're more of an illustrator because when you're painting rooms you're painting a lot of imagery and story into like wow. the fabrics and things and um so that kind of was and then the street art was like kind of parallel to that with my friends and um so yeah I just like I went for it I applied to I just applied to, I applied to SVA, I think. I applied to Pratt. I applied to Parsons. And then I got accepted to all. For some reason, I went for Parsons. I, f you know, I feel like it was just, um, just a very, a bigger school. And it was in the city in Manhattan. So um, it was a lot easier to travel into than into Brooklyn. So Yeah, and Parsons is a very prestigious school. So how did that feel for you to be able to go and be able to go somewhere that a lot of people who have huge names now have graduated from. Um, like, did you realize that at the time? Well, yeah, I knew it was a, it, the name was big. But honestly, there was another reason to pick Parsons was because it made my mom really happy. Oh. <laughs> She's like a Chinese mom. So it's like, you know, I thought it would be nice. You know, she can tell her friends, oh, she she goes to Parsons, la da da. You know, I'm just like, okay, I got into school by the hair yeah. and I have financial aid and fuck, I also had scholarship. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, yeah, like, right. I didn't know, like, what was going to happen, but yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's exciting. It's a big school. And you said that you studied there with, um, at the school before that though, your high school right. with, um, with artists that ended up going on and becoming very famous and things like this. So what are, who are a couple of them to name the, some of the artists that you kind of were inspired by for the street art? Okay. Um, a girlfriend of mine, her name is Maria. Um, she goes by the name Two Fly. You can find a lot of her artwork all around the world. She's a, She's very, um, she was really inspiring to me. And then there are other, there's a, quite a few other um, girls actually in college that I met that are doing amazing things. One of one of it is actually one of my clients. And she's a, um, we just connected over during the pandemic. We really connected and talked again. She's based out in Taipei. Okay. Um, and we've known each other through, um, private school when I used to live in Taiwan before New York so we kind of just stayed in touch and then we end up to be in the same college as well and she does fashion photography for a lot of famous celebrities there awesome um so she's like trying to ignite her new business um after her mom passed away so we're actually working together on um 
uh, quite a few projects right now. Um, so, yeah. like, for someone like me, I'm I'm not huge into a knowledge base on actual art. Uh-huh. Like, I know what looks good, and having a design, an interior design background and stuff like that, I can, you know, okay, this this piece looks good because of the colors, da 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 Right. But, like, me, for example, and I think a lot of other people, I didn't really know that street art or mural art, things like that, in big scale on the on the sides of buildings and things like that was, like, a whole form of life. Like, I didn't realize that because mm-hmm. I think a lot of us are familiar with it being like, oh, that's graffiti. Oh, someone just whatever this there and whatnot. What is the difference between maybe, like, someone who's a quote-unquote graffiti artist versus, like, a large-scale mural artist? Would that just be schooling or would that be in the way that they're tackling their vision for the image or what are your thoughts with that? Um, I feel like it's it's, I guess, society or... Um, I don't know who started, but I mean, essentially, I feel like all foundation, we're all artists, right? Right. Before we become um, a certain um, specific niche profession, I feel like we're all creative. So I use the word creatives a lot because then it covers a wide gamut from architecture to interior design to muralists to street artists. To, you know, we are sort of all together universally. So I don't really know how to exactly answer that, though I do know that in terms of street art versus someone that says, hey, I'm a muralist, like, I guess the background, of course, is different. A lot of street art are probably all self-taught. They've all done it on their own um, at a very young age. They're right. exposed to in more urban settings and culture um, and, and different countries and cities. So um, there's that as- aspect that's a little different. And I'm fe- I'm feeling like muralists are more classical, trained, traditional painters. Okay. Um, so they may not want to put in the category of being a street artist, but I don't think they're offended by saying like, oh, that's street art if they're doing something like, you know, similar. Um, but I feel like these days the boundaries are all kind of, um, blurring. Like a lot of mural, muralists, they use spray paint and a lot of like street artists, they use regular paint. Um, and just to name um, a couple of people, even in set, there's a really famous street artist. His name is Barry McGee, and he's based down in San Francisco. I actually followed followed his work in like art magazines back in the '90s, and I, I loved his use. He actually didn't use um, spray paint at all. He just he would use he would um, contact a, um, a the whiteout company and get get a gallon of like. White out, white out paint because he loved how strong and opaque the white paint is with white out, and it's very fluid. And he would just do all this great line art and abstraction really? and stuff like that. Um, I actually followed him for a very long time because he had an unconventional approach to street art because right. a lot of the street art was spray paint based. Right. Um, so there, there was actually a, a, I would, I would say there's actually a lot of people that are doing street art. They're not doing spray paint either. So, so it's. So I think in in that aspect, asking me that question can't be too black and white. I gotcha. It's like the lines are blurred. Yeah. Um, We're going to talk more about what you consider yourself as an artist when we come right back after this. Okay, great. Stay tuned. Thank you. Communication down. It's always the same. 
So we were talking about the differences and you were saying that like, you know, maybe someone who's a quote unquote muralist or like a large scale artist or somebody who does like street art or something like that. The lines are kind of blurred between all of those because they can use um, different types of paint. One might use like regular paint and one might use spray paint. Mm -hmm. You know, the the styles might be similar, but just slightly different, et cetera. So along those lines, what kind of artist, because like I said, for someone like me, and I think it happens a lot, like, I don't think that someone who says, you know, oh, so you're an interior decorator, means to offend someone who's an interior designer. designer right. They just don't necessarily know. Yeah. So like, I don't think that I'm, I know that I'm not trying to offend if I'm like, oh yeah, she's a mural artist or she's an independent artist or local artist. What would you consider yourself to be? What do you like to be called? Um, Victoria. <laughs> well, besides Victoria. <laughs> I know. V, what's up V? Yeah. Um, well, so my foundation is graphic design and illustration. I feel like I'm always an illustrator and designer at heart. That's my Oh, yeah, you did foundation. say that at Parsons, your main thing was commercial design first. Right, communication design. I'm sorry, communication design. My, right, my which is graphic design, which is what I went to school for, um, which is very com- commercial based. It's very client and designer relationship. Did you work in that medium at all? What do you mean, like... As a commercial designer, like, doing um, large-scale graphic design and things like that um, for maybe companies or something like that. Oh, yeah. I've done stuff that's, like, exhibition design, which is, you know, you lay out design and graphics for trade shows or or so forth for, like, wall art or or things like that. Right. Okay. Um, And also licensing. I went into... um, Art licensing, which is a huge, I mean, that's like a two-hour talk right there because that kind of taps into also illustration design and also painting. Um, A lot of artists get their stuff into, like, Target to make patterns for sheets, for wall decal, for um, for greeting cards. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with rifle paper and they do all these beautiful, like, greeting card, you know, stuff. But it's all, like, hired artists, painted flowers, and they have a designer, you know, to put it together. So that's another avenue of income stream as well for for creatives these days, I feel. Okay. So, um, yeah. So with with doing that, with, with having branched out of that, what ended up getting you to the point where you were like, you know what? I'm not going to necessarily be working for other people. I think I need to go do my own thing. When? How long did you work for someone else before you decided to go off on your own? Um, well, when I when I graduated from college, I... Which actually, was what year? Which was 1999. Woo-woo! I remember that year. I remember going to a party. It was like Prince's album was paying. I was playing, about to say, of course. Playing <laughs> right, when, right before that 2000 drop in Brooklyn. That, right. that was an amazing party. Mm. So, um, so, yeah. So when I graduated, I actually freelanced in a lot of places. Um, first, to kind of check out where I want to work at. In um, New York? In New York, yeah. Okay. So I worked in different like studios. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the design studios at the time in New York, they would have various clients from, you know, famous musicians that had they want their CD cover. I mean, this this is when when I graduated there was CD cover design. Okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was still records. Hey, it's not albums. Like it's not vinyls. So oh <laughs> even God. though vinyls are back. <laughs> so like my la- my last year in college, so many people for their last year project like exhibit that a lot of CD cover design. I feel like a lot of designers went into you know um, graphic design so they can des- design all these fancy covers. Right. That was like a main thing, right? Right. Because, like in the sixties, I would imagine like all all the record covers. I mean, they're they are art. They're really absolutely beautiful. they're gorgeous. I Iconic. Right. So I feel like that's sort of the creative industry. I well, it's just like, so whoever um, d- created the whole uh, giant tongue for the Rolling Stones. Right. You know, like there's the, or the, um, the prism logo for Led Zeppelin. Right. I'm sorry, Pink Floyd. My apologies. My yeah. apologies. I know. I was like, as I was saying it, I was like, that's not right. Who the hell am I thinking of? Yes. Dark side of the moon. <laughs> so yes, see, I know. That, that like two. Or came in I'm gonna reference one too that I know she loves yeah. the Duran Duran albums for yeah. Rio and oh, stuff. God, yes. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see you into the Duran Duran, right? That's well, my last name is Duran, <laughs> <laughs> so I better be. I'm always hungry like the wolf. So, so back to what you were talking about, though. So album covers and stuff like that is where right. you were at. Yeah, and, but for you it was CDs, of course. Wait, but I mean that's when the graduation. I actually didn't work for any. Like I did one or you know, indie covers for, like, some musicians out of Brooklyn, mostly hip-hop. And then I went into, um, what was, like, that other place I worked at? Oh, I worked at a magazine publishing place all called, um, I want to say, I can't believe, Harris Publications. It was a Harris Publications. Oh, my God, I have to check my resume. So it's been too long. <laughs> I think the wine's kicking in. So it's, like, Harris Publications <laughs> in New York City. And they're a huge publication company. They ran over 100 magazines. Uh-huh. And had, like, three floors in this huge building. Um, and I worked in the design department laying out magazines through Cork Express, Peoples, before InDesign. <laughs> People. Um, uh, <laughs> For XXL magazine, which was a huge hip hop magazine at the time, so I was like really kind of into laying out stuff for magazines, or that was main the main industry of getting jobs, like full time gigs or freelance. And then from there, I finally landed um, in a company that I just called my family for a couple years. It's um, Honest Entertainment. Okay. And the woman that owned um, the well, there's two women. There's two gay women that owned the company. One was a writer and one was an illustrator. Okay. And they were the one that came out with that character from the 90s called Fido Dido. So this is black and white character. And it was like all over 7-Up campaigns. And that kind of arrowhead their like business model. And, you know, she's a writer. She's an illustrator. Uh-huh. And um, she would illustrate all these characters. She would get it branded and licensed for like you know, different companies. And then, then she expanded overseas to Brazil. And apparently Brazil really loved all the characters and all that stuff. So it was like 7-Up Brazil. It was like all on, you know. It was all about it. And and she had clothing stores. Like that was a character that branded like shirts, you know, a lot of skateboarding stuff. Like, right. For kids, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a company I worked for. And I, I fucking did everything. Like I did... And when she found out I knew how to draw, she was like, oh, can you do this? Like, <laughs> and so I was, like, drawing as well as designing. And then um, and then I was working with the art director at the time, Flavia, if she ever <laughs> hears this. And she's from Brazil. And she's, like... What a beautiful know, name. Flavia, yeah. She's super hip and um, just just amazing. Just she was, she was freelancing for the Brazilian Vogue. Vogue, so she was writing on the side, and then she was working wow. as an art director there. She was also a really good writer in her 
from her country. And um, so I learned a lot from her. I worked under her as her main. And Brazil fashion is super chic. Yes, I, I love Brazil. Like it's Japanese and his, you know, Portuguese, basically. Yeah. I just, I love that aesthetic. Like I love the food. I love the aesthetics. It's like, that's so up my alley. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yep. So you're up in New York. You're in the middle of doing all of these great things. And what ends up um, transpiring in order to get you on your course towards us who are blessed with you down here in Virginia Beach. Oh my Beach. God, there's still another 10 years after that. So oh, so keep it going. Where are we at? So um, you were there for a couple of years and then what ended up happening? Why'd you leave? Well, 9-11 happened. Oh, oh okay. So talk yes. to us about that. So I was 10, 10 Where were you? I was 10 blocks away. Wow. So we are, um, our office at the time was on the 10th floor and it was really nice actually you came out there was this patio we can hang out at so you can see all of downtown okay so i basically could see a good portion of the world trade center holy cow yeah so it just it was crazy it was a really crazy day um you know so you were at work when it happened yes i was going into work i was in the train and the train stopped before chamber street which is um downtown okay and i was like What's going on? Because we were stuck there before West 4th Street. So after West 4th Street, it would be Chamber Street, which is World Trade Center. Okay. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, I'm going to be late for work. And then I see the train conductor, like, running back and forth on the West 4th Street platform. Freaking out. Yeah. I was was like, something's up. So they finally, like, open the doors. They're like, we can't go to Chamber Street. There's there's an event going, whatever. I'm like, okay, fine. I came out. And so to you in your own bubble, you're just like, oh, my God, what the fuck ever. Right. And I had headphones on, like, typical New Yorker. Typical New Yorker, Whatever, like, just, you know, cussing. Like, oh, my God, I need to get to work. So I I come outside. staring down um was it fifth avenue it was fifth avenue when i came out of west fourth fifth avenue and i just see the the trade center you can see the trade center right from fifth avenue and the smoke yeah and the smoke and it looked like it looked like a giant took a razor blade or something or a knife and just jagged you know just made this jagged line in the building because it just felt like this jagged line in the building the smoke's coming out of there right so i was just like what the? Oh, I was like, what's going on? At first, I was just like, it's a fire. It's going to get taken care of. Right. Didn't Not know, know that it's a plane. Right. Didn't know anything. Right. Got to the office, went upstairs, and then I see the fire escape door opening right before the office door. And I, I opened the fire escape, and, and there's these two architects that work there that I smoke cigarettes with, and, and they're frantically smoking cigarettes, and they're like <laughs> freaking out. And I'm like, what happened? What's going on? He goes, well, we're here at 8 o'clock in the morning, and their office is all windows. So they can see all of downtown and west, west side beautifully. He's just like, then they were like, a plane went into the building. They saw, saw it. Yes, they saw it. Whole, could you imagine being that person? And they're watching? Ar- right, and they're architects. So with, if they're freaking out like that. Everybody should be. Yes. So they were just, they were on. So talking about freaking out and all of that, we're going to come right back to that after this month, uh, this message from our sponsors. Stay tuned. Welcome back. So I like the description that you gave. So number one, anyone who's ever been to New York knows everyone's got headphones in. (laughs) Everyone is paying attention to literally themselves. And where they're going is the most important place. Correct. And that's it. 
So they're not paying attention to anything else. So, I, well, it was just funny because it's like it's focused. I, well, I was gonna say because um, that is so opposite of why I loved. So I've lived in LA and New York, mm-hmm. and I loved the vibe of LA way better than right. New York it's because different. of that. Because yeah. in LA, everyone's like, "What's up, man? Why are you in a rush?" In New York, everyone's like, "Get out of my way!" You know, they're just move, move, move. So yeah. it's a it's a very vivid, spot on description, and then. To see that, I remember, see, you weren't told until you got to work, but, like, I remember that day someone telling me, and I thought, I must be thinking of another building, like the World Trade Center. I must not, that must not be the New York one. Right. So I'm, like, hallucinating in my head, like, there's no way a plane accidentally hits a building. In New York. Like, yeah, so I'm thinking that's just wrong. So, but you, you're looking at it thinking... Okay, I guess there's a fire. It's yeah. just going to go. But then, so now you're at work. You said that people are smoking frantically as they're coming out. You're going in, and the description you get is, we saw the plane fly into the building. Yeah. So what's the first thought to you? Because you said these are architects, and they're seeming spastic. Right. They're freaking out. And then I'm kind of still calm. <laughs> I don't know. And I walk into the office, and my phone's going off, and my mom's calling me from Hong Kong. So she, I mean, she lives and works in Hong Kong. So she's calling me. She's like... Basically in Chinese, like, you know, what the fuck are you doing in work right now? Like, uh-huh. what is going on? And I'm just like, I just what do you got mean? here. Yeah. And then she's telling me all this stuff. And I'm just like, I literally just got off the train. I just like was I kind of hazy. It wasn't registering. So the whole it was such a gorgeous day. which uh-huh. was kind of weird. It was a gorgeous fall day, it was like 75 degrees. It was so beautiful. Not a clouded sight. Yeah, it had just it was, finished being disgusting because New York in the summertime is tragic. Yeah, so it was just, I feel like it was, it was just really strange. And, and um, you know, so obviously, I obviously I registered everything and then I'm like, what do we do now? You know, and then I was concerned about obviously the... My, safety and everything. Safety, my coworkers, they have children. I was dating my boyfriend at the time so it was just me and him he was freelancing so he his schedule was different he lived in brooklyn and i was trying to call him and and i finally woke him up and i'm just like and he's a filmmaker and i told him about what was happening he's like holy crap and i'm like yeah he goes i'm taking my camera and i'm gonna go bike (laughs) over the bridge and i'm gonna film this shit that's exactly what he said. It's so funny, it's, though, because creative types, that's how we operate, right? It's like everyone else is like, oh, my gosh, let's pray. You're like, fuck that. I'm pulling out my camera. <laughs> let's start sketching this. So he was like, he took his bike, went, he, we're by the Williamsburg Bridge. Everyone was walking over the bridge, and he was taking his bike, going over the bridge to try to, you know, get, get there in time. Get filming. I was just like, he's just crazy. Whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, so that was... Um, that was my morning, and then um, the morning evolved to trying to figure out how mm. we how we're going to get home, and um, and then my boss had her penthouse apartment in New York. So oh she, my gosh, she was um, she wasn't in New York at the time. She was like in Miami or something. So she was like, "Hey, everyone, just go to my penthouse. If you need to stay there overnight, <laughs> that's fine. It's beautiful. We, how big are we talking of a penthouse? I mean, it was." Um, it was on Varick Street. It was, it was one of those like nice condo condominiums, and she had the top floor. So it was like it was actually not that big. She just had like a really big patio. Oh, okay. But it was like two bedrooms, and it was oh, called, okay. You know, it was called a penthouse. It's not like. But it, you know, by New York standards, it definitely was. Penthouse. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, for New York, it's it's big. You know. But, I'm gonna go ahead and let the audience know. Um, the studio right now is 
experiencing a heat wave because the AC is on the fritz. Soon to be fixed this week in the next day or so. So you're going to be hearing stuff from probably the lovely Oscar who's outside, my little puppy, new little puppy to the family, as well as planes because it's going to sound like we're live in Vietnam. So (laughs) definitely just pay attention. Victoria is here. I do hot yoga. It's good. Oh, good. (laughs) She does hot yoga. (laughs) So it's good. I made sure she did ask I said, did you want something special? You know, she goes, well, I'm either going to want tea or Chardonnay, depending on the week. So I got her both. And what do you think she's drinking? Chardonnay. Yes. So no, make sure that you're prepped and you're definitely yeah, taking those bottles too, with you. Yes, it's too hot for tea. Plus, I have water. I have a bottle of water. Oh, my God. There. I couldn't even imagine you trying to drink hot tea right now. No. <laughs> it's like no, 90 degrees. No. I feel like we're paying for all of our sins that we've committed in our life right now. But anyways, okay, so. Yeah. So you're there, and the he's going over there to do that, and you're talking to your family. So go ahead. Um, and I mean that was it. Basically, we went to the penthouse. I mean, we went to the penthouse. Then we went to the top, which you basically have access to the rooftop. So you we saw the whole we saw the whole thing come down like crumble. Wow, really? Because yeah, we had to stay there until they like open up the trains. I could walk home, but I was like. I'm going to be here because I want, you know, I want to stay with everyone. Um, Not to mention, I think you had to have a sense in you that this is clearly a historical moment. Yeah, it was just, it was actually, for everyone that talked about it, or you asked anyone, it was surreal, just because it was such a beautiful day, mm-hmm. and then there was, it just seemed like there was a war that just went on. Oh, right? well, that was because the beginning. it was like the crumbling, it's like, it's just, and then, like, for weeks after that, it was just the TV was this constant replay of the thing going down, the thing going down. Right. And then then I was registering all the debris it wasn't debris. It was like people jumping off the building, you know, right, like, I was right. just like, holy shit, that's not debris. There's a fucking people jumping off the building. And, you know, you couldn't tell because it was so far away. They're like really tiny, but it was not debris. It was people coming down. Wow. So it was like. Um, Definitely life changing. Yeah, and then I lived in Brooklyn at the time. Thank God, like my uh, the company still went kept on going, and I was on payroll, so I was able to, you know, afford my rent and everything. And um, but we were all kind of stuck in Brooklyn for like a month. We didn't really start going back to work. Maybe a couple months later, and there wasn't really that much remote. Um, so, but Brooklyn was like, you know, everyone was just like, fuck it. You know, like, you know, restaurants were still open, you know, people were out of jobs or people that had payroll, like, were still on job, whatever. I mean, there was restaurants. It kept on going in Brooklyn, which was really right, nice. Right. Um, New York was dead. The city was dead. Like, 14th Street Below was completely, like, um, annihilated. It was a ghost town. It was like a ghost town because it was always smoky. It was, it smelled like smoke for a year and a half. I was going to say, how long before the debris finally just stopped? Like, all of the horrible things just stopped settling i want to say almost a year and a half because every time we try to they started opening up after six months or something but if you got close to chinatown you can still smell the smoke it was just smoky for like i want to say almost a year okay um and then then it got strange because no one lived in like all the offices like all the companies moved out of downtown so 
they had all these open spaces. Right. And my friend, which is, and her boyfriend at the time, they're crazy. They're like, oh, we found this, like, sweet, like, penthouse apartment in Wall Street for $800 a month, which is unheard of. Absolutely. It was, like, it was like a $3,000 apartment, but they got it for 800 So, like... Because nobody would live there. Right. So, we, we went there for parties, but then when I would come out of their apartment, I would see these people in these large buildings, like... Right. Like, l- large offices, like, mm-hmm. living there. Like, just actually just hanging out, like... You know, the people would start renting these office buildings because they were office um, spaces because it was cheap and it was available. So it was mm-hmm. like weird, like that kind of situation. Wow. So, yeah. So after all of that, you said that it was about a year or so before things kind of started to have some semblance of normality. Right. So then were, you were still working at the same company. When did you end up leaving that company? So a year and, uh, year and a half later, because um, my mom lived and worked in Hong Kong. She owns an import-export hat company. Okay. Like Kentucky Derby hats and all, all that crazy stuff, yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, we can, she can mail you some. She has tons of stuff. <laughs> Liz is ready. Liz is ready. She, she has. <laughs> I can tell her, and she'll mail a box over. Yeah, because she's ready for some, like, Kentucky yeah. Derby hats. She loves it. She's, like, she's worked with a lot of top de- New York designers. Um, she's worked with, like, huge wholesale companies and... Um, Take a break, and we'll be right back. Yeah. 